Hello and welcome to Surveyor Says, the podcast from the National Society of Professional Surveyors. Each week, we bring you fascinating guests that are involved in the profession of surveying. We cover a lot of ground, including table lay talk with Gary Kent, point of order with the NSPS Joint Government Affairs Team, future focus, highlighting current and future leaders of the profession, and everything survey-related in between. Thanks for joining us here on the podcast and hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of Surveyor Says. Hello and welcome to another episode of Surveyor Says. Uh, This is Tim Birch and we have a very special guest today starting off a new series of, of podcasts where we're going to talk about what is surveying. Uh, there seems to be somewhat of a question out there at times of who who owns the data, who owns the tools, who owns all of these different things. So we're going to talk about it. We're going to da- do a little deeper dive with various guests over the next few months. And uh, But our first guest talking about this is Mr. Brent Jones. Uh, he is a PLS and a PE. Uh, he oversees Esri's worldwide strategic planning, business development, marketing activities for land records, cadaster, surveying, and land administration. As a recognized innovator, Mr. Jones specializes in modernizing existing land administration, administrating systems and designing new GIS-based cadastral management systems for small and large governments. He's currently the president-elect of URISA, and he's the past president of the Geospatial Information Technology and Association. Well, Brent, we're out of time, so we're good to go. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, hey, we, we need to get a shorter bio in there. No, no. Uh, but for those who may not know who you are, there needs to be some context of how how your your career has been spread out over a lot of things. Engineering, surveying, GIS, and a lot of the hats you wear. So thank you for joining me today and really to talk about what is surveying? Because I think you bring a unique perspective to everything that is surveying. So uh, once again, w- welcome and uh, we appreciate you being here. All right. Thanks for having me, having me on, Tim. No problem. Okay. So I'm going to have you put on your surveyor hat first. And so when somebody would ask you off the street that d- doesn't know what you do for a living, what is surveying to Mr. Jones as the surveyor? Well, surveying is, and we'll talk about land surveying. We'll, we'll, we'll put that, those two words together because I think surveying is a broader term can be mis- misinterpreted easily. But land surveying is um, it's the process of collecting information on the ground using scientific instruments and interpreting the, the measurements and applying what you find against the legal record and making an opinion. So that works. A, works for me. Yeah. It, yeah. And the, dif- the difference between, you know, um, locating things and land surveying is land surveyors provide a professional opinion that uh, is designed to be relied upon, whether it's relied upon by a homeowner for adding a garage uh, or a contractor for, you know, getting a bridge in the right place. Without, overstepping too much could we say that surveying i mean is similar to i won't say 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 medicine but like a doctor and a doctor usually specializes in various things 
we're we're specialists when it comes to for serving for land issues, for boundaries, for legal uh, issues. Uh, kind of like a doctor may be a specialist in uh, podiatry or something. I mean, it, 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 could we make some sort of simile in that respect that it's very, that specialized? It is that specialized. It's actually the, uh, I think it's the only profession that is permitted to give a legal opinion that's recognized by the courts, except for lawyers. And like your specialization, this is specialized into uh, into boundary. And one of the misconceptions is, you know, you hear the word fixed boundaries, you hear the words determine. And really what a surveyor does is give an opinion of boundary. And as, as we all know, the boundaries can only be fixed by the court. Right. Uh, they, they can't be fixed by surveyors. And, and we all know that two surveyors measuring the same line uh, have different opinions. Maybe it's a hundredth of a foot, but they have different opinions right. on how long that line is. And they also have different opinions of interpreting the rule, the, you know, the evidence uh, and the survey and the written record. Exactly. Well, I, and I guess you know, when, we're when we're talking about land surveying now, um, obviously it has evolved tremendously over the past 25, 30 plus years with technology and now we've we've introduced with with the invention of gps and gnss this whole idea of geospatial data versus everything before was really just basically terrestrial measurement tell me as somebody that's that's that has watched this this technology come come along and progress what, how do you see things differently now with the technology versus the way when we first started uh, in the survey business? Yeah, that's, that's a really good question. The, what we do is the same. The tools we use are incredibly different. The efficiencies that we have are incredibly different. And I'd like to think also that the quality of work that we deliver is substantially better. Uh, one of the firms I worked for, the, uh, the boss said, never look at the old plans that you did. Because <laughs> yeah. you look back and it's like, oh, no, I, I really, that's what I did. Um, so so the concepts of, of interpreting the physical world and the legal world and, and issuing a survey are, are the same, but the tools we use to do them are different. And another thing that's really different is, is how we place things on the face of the earth. It wasn't too long ago that, you know, you set up your total station, you, you know, you pulled out your compass for a backsite and uh, you wrote in your field book, 5,000, 10,000. And, uh, and you went about your business and started looking at things and you created this plan in, uh, in, in its own coordinate system. And then you figured out, you know, all the elements that you located, you produced a, a nice looking plan. You know, hopefully the not too many of us on the, that are listening did that. Uh, hand drafting. Uh, mm -hmm. I certainly struggled with the hand drafting, and I was very right at right at the beginning of my career is when uh, when workstations were coming out for surveyors and plotters. So I was happy about that. Many mm -hmm. many of you guys that uh, are the same age as me remember staring at those those rapidograph plotters and hitting the pause button really quick because the you know the pen was sticking or something like that. But the um, but now we're now we're doing surveys in space. We we know where they fit on the face of the Earth. GPS, oh, a friend of mine said GPS uh, takes no enemies, 
and we found errors in the National Geodetic Control Network. We found all kinds of errors in things that we accepted as being correct with, with GPS. And GPS GNSS allows us to take our, our survey work and put it actually where it is on the face of the earth and not in a 5,000, 10,000. That actually is one of the bigger changes that takes place because once we're in this geo-referenced world, all the data that's geo-referenced can be combined to do all kinds of things. And, you know, we know that, you know, we can study things from demographics to hydrographics. There's just so many things that can be done once we have all this information uh, geo-referenced. Absolutely. And I guess that's the thing, one of the things that I do appreciate that literally every project we do now is related to each other because we're we're working in state plane coordinates or what have you um but you're right and now trying to apply each one of those to it's not a flat surface 5000 10000 system it's geoids and all that other stuff so yeah it is definitely a little different um the data is more complicated but it's really like you said it's still the same we're still doing the same thing just in a, in a in a in a different manner more efficient hopefully um so keeping that the whole concept in mind with geospatial data, uh, with the invention of handheld GPS and cell phones and all this stuff that collects GPS and GNNS data now, uh, how is that, I guess I won't say how has that gotten away from the surveyor, but uh, where does it, where does it, where does it fall within the rest of, 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 of I guess, what we do that uh, this this data exists everywhere, and it's it's hard to I guess say we own it uh, when everybody else is using it. I mean, we look at the G at least the GIS community and how much that uh, it, GPS is used, GNSS is used by by the GIS community. Um, it's it's hard to to really put our foot down and say no, that's surveying. Yeah, the. Uh... That cat, that cat got out of the barn a long time ago. Mm -hmm. The uh, of the the ability to measure things, whether you're measuring a a building as a tax assessor to get square footage, uh, or you're running a wheel along the road to measure uh, measure pavement. You know, measurement's been around a long time, and the tools for measurement just continue to evolve. You know, lidar is a, is actually a, you know it's a measurement tool. Photogrammetry is a measurement tool. You know, laser range finding. So these um, the measurement tools will continue to evolve, and at some point we're going to know where everything is. So right. for you know, if if that's all surveying is, then surveyors will be out of business when we know where everything is, and that's not really the case. Sure, surveyors' measurements and surveyors' positioning are relied upon legally, and that's that's a fundamental difference. And when you try to think of what surveyors are and what they do is you know, using measures of statistical confidence are, are handy. Trust, reliability, those are things that we, that we use when we get data from a surveyor. You know, we, we, you know, pick points off of a map or we, we find some data somewhere and begin to use it. We generally don't trust it the way we do uh, with surveyors. And core at the surveyor brand is trust, I th at least mm -hmm. in my opinion. Oh, sure, sure. Well, and, and something uh, that 
that you and I have talked about extensively in the past, and and it's something that's a little. It's obviously it's unique to the U.S. Most of the wor- rest of the world uses uh, a cadastral system with uh, with parcels and such, versus where here in the U.S. it's more it's, it is a title system. How has GPS and geospatial data now really? How does that now relate to? The title system and and how is it creating that much more confusion? I mean, is it, it's it's something that still needs to be tied together in the GIS world. Yeah, and that's actually where GIS expertise comes in. Is how do you how do you fit these different data sets together? How do you handle different projections, different datums, and, and different sources of information? And one thing that GIS professionals should do, um, most of them do, is maintain rigorous metadata. So when you're looking at a, G, a GIS map, you know exactly the data that you're looking at. In many parts of the world, they've begun to take the survey information. And when I say when I say survey, I don't mean the field collected measurements. I mean the the record measurements that are in plans and deeds, and build systems out of that information. It's it's measurement, although most of the times it's inverted inverse measurements, not necessarily direct measurements, but we know something about them. We know the sure. quality of the measurements. So so we can weight those. So we can take all this information from plans and deeds and build this measurement network of parcels. And then we can adjust that. We can actually apply some some mathematical principles that surveyors share with many other professions as well, many other uh, sci- scientific areas of least squares adjustment. Least squares is used in all types of different uh, professions, but we can apply that actually to a parcel map and use survey data to get the best representation, mathematical representation of those parcels. Now, that's tricky because surveyors think of their survey as that's the survey, Mm -hmm. but it is, and that's the survey record, and it doesn't change. But in order to fit all the surveys together, you have to apply some types of uh, mathematical rules. It's the same way with your in a traditional traverse. There's errors there, and we know how to balance those errors out and minimize distortion uh, as best as possible. Well, and I think you know that without going too far off on a tangent, I think you just you hit on something. I'm I'm also curious your opinion. Because of the complexity of the of the the measuring tools we're using now and the accuracy, uh, we we have we have conflicting surveyors all the time. You know, my measurements better than your measurements better than your measurement uh, because of all this accuracy that's now um, attributed to GNSS and uh, these total stations. Um, how much of that? I mean, how much do we have to do? We, in your opinion, as a as a in the in the GIS world, how much that really needs to be kind of, I won't say softened, but I mean, accuracy is great, but in the in the real world, it's not it, nothing's perfect. Yeah, I remember uh, I worked for BLM for a short time, and we had these competitions of closure, and you know, who got the best closure? Well. Uh, Accuracy has always been in the DNA of surveyors, and it always will. Mm-hmm. There's there's many types of five or six different types of accuracy we can talk about, but the uh, but accuracy has always been part of what we do. We we pride ourselves in our ability to measure, and those tools have become more easy to use and have been have been democratized. 
The uh, but I had a a professor, many of you may know Earl Epstein. He wrote the book Modernizing American Land Records. And when he, in school, he said, you can measure the hell out of two points, but how do you know if you're on the right two points? That's what surveyors are really good at doing is knowing which points to measure and, and rendering an opinion. And then of course, opinions, like I said, you know, surveys or opinions, most of them, uh, and we can tell by the uh, the pin cushions or the random iron pin showers that happen at, at many property corners. Yeah, that was going to be my next comment. Is yeah, is it in your opinion? Is that attributing to all these pin cushions? Um, because my measurement's better than your measurement, and well, I'm going to set another pin just to stake my claim. Uh, it's really, and it's really too bad we do that. Yeah, there's a lot of reasons that happens. You know, some some surveyors charge more for setting a pin than they do for accepting a pin. You know, and and I think you have to put your number on there somehow or some way in in some states. Um, but I think it does the profession a disservice because if you look at let's let's look at the legal profession. There are times when you can be in a conflict, and the, a lawyer picks up the phone and calls the, calls the opposing lawyer and says, hey, let's talk about this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and let's work to this to resolution. You know, is there an error? Is there a difference of opinion? If there's a real difference of opinion and it's significant, we should do something about it. Absolutely. If it's setting a pin next to a pin, you know, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if that makes sense. Exactly. Um, tell you what, so I'm, I'm going to ask you to put on your Eurissa hat now and talk a little bit about GIS as far as advocacy and from, from a, a professional organization. And for, I really want to introduce, for those who don't know, the, the whole concept of, of a GIS professional. And what does that, I guess, for our listeners, what does that entail? And really, what is it testing as far as competency? And I guess my, the, the ultimate question is, in your opinion, as as a PLS, how does a GISP relate to a licensed surveyor as far as competencies? That's a really good question. And just so your listeners know, Tim's the president-elect of NSPS, so you're going to hear a lot from the both of us for, for quite some time yeah. here. The, the, uh, well, GIS uh, professional, that was developed uh, by ERISA bringing in several other organizations and setting up a separate entity to manage this, the GIS Certification Institute. And like all licenses or certifications or registrations, it only tests minimum minimal competence. And as you know, when you pass the LS exam, it's like, okay, you weren't any better the day you passed it than the day before. Um, but you now have a, you've now demonstrated that you you can you can attest and and give opinions and and do certain things. And it's the same with GISP. GISP is uh, not a license; it's a certification. So it's a it's a measurement of technical competence, but it also includes the the professional ethics that any profession has embedded into its into its core as professionals as professional surveyors and engineers have also it's much like the certified photogrammetrist that it's a it's a recognized certification that 
uh, is relied upon. Uh, many governments require a GISB. Many governments require uh, mapping to be done by a certified photogrammetrist. So it's a it's a test and experience uh, kind of thing. And Eurisa uh, uh, does offer some review classes for those that are interested in being GISPs and and understanding. You know, and it includes a lot of uh, uh, GIS-based principles of datums and map projections and geodatabases and how do you integrate this data and how do you resolve these conflicts and and that sort of thing. I guess I didn't I wasn't aware that it beyond just the technical competence it did introduce some some of the ethical uh, ethical aspects as well which that's uh, that's good to know. I think that's something we can all take a little lesson from that there are some ethical aspects out there that we should adhere to from time to time. Absolutely. As you mentioned in your article um, uh, a week or so ago, the uh, you, you defined what a professional is or put the definition in there. And that's, and I think we all have to, we all have to revisit that once in a while and think about, okay, you know, being a professional is not, it's much more than wearing a tie. You know, it's a, it's doing uh there's certain there's certain buoys you have to stay in between uh in every different profession exactly uh something that we I've, i want to help with the, the listeners to to understand i guess a little more from the from the the gis aspect and dealing with data something you and i have talked about quite a bit in that surveyors have boundary analysis and coming up with with what what the surveyor's opinion is of various pin, various property lines and things versus the GIS professional taking data sets and and analyzing and 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 dealing with that what are they actually doing with a lot of this data in your in in your experience they're trying to help people make better decisions you know whether that's from yeah, and that that that's a pretty big range of uh, of decision making. Whether it's where to put a highway to minimize environmental impact, uh, how to analyze the impact risk uh, of of a of a pipeline rupture, for example, or even uh, if a on a liquid line, you know where where does the uh, uh, what's going to be impacted downstream, how to analyze that, not just in in geography, but in time, how long does it take, you know, plume analysis, um, all the way down to um, uh, helping tax assessors assess property, doing, you know, modeling with that data. So, you know, we collect data, we, we model with that data to help us make decisions. We make maps and visualizations out of those models because, you know, you know, maps really help us communicate. And then we use that to share that into areas that, that can make better decisions and simple ones, a very, very simple map, which I think may be the most viewed map in world history is the Johns Hopkins GIS coronavirus dashboard. That's that is a GIS map with a bit of analysis and some visualization tools that when you glance at that, you could, you know, in the early days, we looked at that every day mm -hmm. and it was stark. We might not look at it so much anymore, but it has over 2 trillion views. Mm -hmm. Incredible. Okay. So GIS 
folks take take that data, do some analysis, and try to make some decisions. It's used also in managing infrastructure. Uh, you take a, for example, you take an electrical net, an electric network, and you have customers getting power, and you have power plants generating power. Where well, there's a lot of things between those two elements uh, that are connected, and when your power goes out, you call call a power company. Mm-hmm. Your customer number pops up, and they start predicting based with the GIS system predicting where that outage is, so they know who to send out. They think it's a certain device, so not only do they know who to send out, they know who's got the right the right equipment on the truck. So it delivers a lot of efficiencies. You know, GIS is used in in routing, so the data from routing doesn't come. It comes from all all many things. I mean, we all we all use Waze, and we can understand how there's a traffic jam and Waze routes you around. Mm-hmm. Um, and GIS can do that on steroids with multiple stopping points. All the all the large delivery companies have these massive uh, systems for uh, optimizing routing. But it's it's a real. It's, we could go on and on and on and on and on about mm-hmm. all these uses. But in land, in land administration, and that's kind of the area that I focus on. Land administration includes tenure or ownership taxation evaluation, planning and development, and land management. So encompassing all these things that happen with land. Surveyors in the United States are primarily focused on tenure. Outside the United States, it's, it's a broader definition where uh, in some countries, surveyors actually do the valuation of land as well. Uh, many surveyors involved in, in land management also. So it's a, it's a much broader definition. So in this land administration component, you know, we take, we, we try to build these systems that recognize the three R's of rights, restrictions, and responsibilities. Mm-hmm. And the land surveying part of it gets that stuff positionally correct on the ground because that's what rights rights are expressed uh, in, in some type of spatial unit on the ground. Right. Well, you know, and, and I guess the, Kind of further your point about other places and the and and the responsibilities of the surveyor. Um, I've been doing a little more digging into the chartered surveyors of uh, in the UK, and it's amazing how many branches of of, of surveyors that they have over there. That um, you're right that that do a lot of this evaluating. It's like wow, I wouldn't you know wouldn't even wouldn't even think of that on on our terms. But uh, it's something that's it's very interesting. That's right. And they use the term cadastral surveyor. So when you hear the term mm-hmm. surveyor, you don't confuse that with a cadastral surveyor. You might be a geodetic surveyor or evaluation surveyor. You might you might have these other roles, but you don't confuse that with a cadastral surveyor. And we we take land surveying and we that's essentially cadastral surveying in the United States. And we we've we've not done a good job broadening what surveying encompasses. Uh you know there there are views that the by restricting land professional land surveyors to have requiring a boundary apprenticeship that it's restrictive of should photogrammetrists be surveyors should geodesists be surveyors should these other these other spatial locating professions be part of the surveying community well they're part of the community but they're not 
certainly not licensed surveyors unless they do the cadastral piece. Absolutely. And and that's something uh, that, that you've touched on in several of our conversations is how technology has grown and all of these responsibilities and different specializations have have changed. But the existing laws and statutes and licensing requirements are are still somewhat I won't say ancient, but there's 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 a lot of modernization that needs to be done. I mean, for instance, in Illinois, where I am, uh, the, the 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 land surveying act covers so many things that realistically, if I go through, you know, I can say I'm the only one that can do hydrography. I'm the only one that can, other than an, uh, a certified photogrammetrist, that can do photogrammetry and all of these other things. When in, you know, if I also look at my role with ethics, I shouldn't take on uh, a task that I'm not qualified to do as well. Um, we really need to look at all of these uh, existing statutes and, and laws and say uh, we, we need to divvy them up a little bit. Yeah, that's a really complicated question. And I think, you know, back to the GISP and the certified photogrammetrist and you know, certification helps with some of those those issues of, you know, demonstrating at least minimal te technical competence. But the legal side of it, it's, um, you know, there's some protectionist, protectionist activities going on out there. And and I think, you know, that, in my opinion, that that, that has the the risk of, of backfiring. Because, mm -hmm. you know, everybody uses GPS now. GPS is not a, it's, it's a, it's an incredibly valuable tool that's in a lot of professionals' toolboxes. And it's even in the layman's toolbox and the homeowner. You can get dual frequency phones now. <laughs> yep. All right. The iPhone 12 Plus or Max, or whatever they call it, has LiDAR in it. So, you know, I, I can see, I can see a time when, you know, the uh, the cadastral unit of a condominium mm -hmm. is 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 scanned with a lidar on a phone and that's implemented into some type of title registration or tax mapping system exactly well but let me throw this at you in your opinion uh we're talking you know you know here i am throwing out that we need to specialize some of these things i mean most states don't uh, don't require um any kind of specific licensing or, or certification for GIS use in any kind of municipal setting or what have you. But yet there's so many states and so many different levels where we're starting to talk deregulation and we're actually trying to go the other way against licensing and requirements to lower that in bar, that entry into a lot of these things. Uh, how do, how do we combat that to really say that we're still trying to protect the public? That's a really good question, you know, and it, it comes down to what's the data used for, you know, or, you know, the, uh, in the model law and, you know, I was, I was part of that and it, I did my best to protest certain things um, like the word authoritative. And I think surveyors in, in most, uh, uh, most laws or most regulations use authoritative and these the term survey products also Th those two when we start looking at the law survey products have changed and, and they will continue mm -hmm. to change um, but a survey product to me is something that is relied on for that has in, in a litigious environment that there's that you need you know you need the the legal um, support of a, of a of a professional surveyor the uh, and this authoritative, 
tax maps are authoritative. I think that would make most of the listeners cringe if they heard me say that. <laughs> Uh, but they're authoritative for determining property values. Right. They're not authoritative for determining boundaries. So, you know, the root of the word authoritative is author. So did you author that data? Yeah, then it's, you know, then you have some level of authority. And in, you know, and, and this is actually, um, this is a role I think surveyors have have yet to to assume but part of it is modernizing our land record system. Mm-hmm. And for those of you that have read the book, Modernize American Land Records, the author, uh, the authors Earl Epstein and Ben Neiman talk about when we submit information to the government f- to make a decision, maybe that's a, maybe that's for a subdivision. And, and uh, maybe you hired a, you know, soil scientists went and grabbed some information. You did the boundaries. There's maybe some wetlands. Maybe there's archaeology, whatever. All those different elements mm-hmm. of data that are collected. When the government uses that data to make a decision, it automatically garners some level of authority. And the concept of a multi-purpose cadaster is to collect that information and store that for reuse. And sometimes bulk collection, maybe the national soils map type thing, or, you know, these individual type data collections. But, you know, when, when we use, when the government uses data to make a decision, it garners some level of authority. So the, the developing authoritative data is, is in, a, you know, that's a, a component of a, of a lot of different uh, occupations and professions. Yep, exactly. Well, we try to keep these uh, to a reasonable time, and uh, Mr. Brent is a busy guy, so I'm trying not to keep him as well. But uh, I will go ahead and I would like to say he he mentioned earlier that, uh, yeah, we are both president-elects of our uh, respective societies, and we are working together on creating uh, the survey and GIS summit uh, that will be this coming November. We'll uh, get some save the dates out there very soon. We've got some exciting news to be able to turn around on that. And uh, you'll probably, yes, like you said, you'll hear from the two of us much, much more on that subject as well. Um, but, however, uh, I would like to have you back, Brent, because at some point, in t- and sooner rather than later, because we've got this whole uh, datum shift that's going to be coming from NGS at, in, in time. And we'd really like to talk about how much that's going to play into both surveying and GIS with new datums, new dynamic datums, and what we should really be looking for and preparing for in uh, in, in in getting set up for for when that comes around the next corner. Yeah, that's that's good. And if we need some technical help, I can bring some in. But I will tell you, we uh, have been working on this for a number of years, knowing that it's coming. Uh, and we and we have you know we've worked in geodetic systems around the world, so we know. You know, we, we know there's a lot of movement and, and how to handle that because positions now, instead of position in, you know, three dimensions, it's really a position in, in four dimensions in now. Four. Yep, exactly. And, you know, to me, I guess that is just one more reason why the surveying community and the GIS community needs to work together because there's so much that we can learn from each other. Um, and especially, like you just said, you've, you've got uh, experience around the world with datums that have already went this direction 
we can learn a lot from from other people and even their past mistakes that uh, we, oh, can, we can. It's most it's it's the best to learn from somebody else's mistakes than your own. Exactly. <laughs> and and I also you know I want to make sure that the surveyors listening know that there there's real opportunities here, and we can talk. We can have a podcast on. You know, okay. You know, I, I get the GIS thing now. How do I make money at it? I gave a talk in the New Jersey conference at Servcon, and one of the surveyors raised his hand. He goes, "Okay, I get it. How do I make money at this?" And <laughs> the uh, and that's that's a valuable conversation to have. Absolutely. Well, we appreciate you being on for this inaugural uh, "What Is Surveying" series, and uh, we will. We will be talking again shortly besides this and uh, our upcoming summit and a lot of good stuff. So uh, stick around. Like I said, we got a couple good guests coming in the next few weeks about more, more uh, what is surveying topic, and we'll see what happens next. Appreciate it. Thank uh, you for being here. Oh, go ahead, Brent. Well, I just want to say thank you, and I really appreciate what you're doing trying to deliver information out there with some, some new formats. You know, surveyors spent a bit of time in the truck. And the uh, hopefully they're, uh, you know, hopefully they're listening to this coming after coming home after a successful day. Exactly. Exactly. That's well, and that's why it's it's an it's an we got new generations of surveyors with new methods of providing information. And this is one way we we try to do that. So uh, we appreciate your uh, contributions both here and everything you've done uh, everywhere else with uh, with your multiple hats. And uh, we uh, we look forward to many more conversations. Thanks. You've been listening to the Surveyor Says Podcast, brought to you by the National Society of Professional Surveyors. If you have any questions about today's episode or any other topic, please email us at info at nsps.us.com, and we are here to help. Visit our website, nsps.us.com, to learn more about our association, the programs we administer and support, our sustaining members, and information about future episodes of Surveyor Says. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Spotify, as well as our podcast host, Podbean. And remember, it's a great day to be a surveyor. Surveyor.